0: We're talking about how to live drenched. Uh, we use that phrase, live drenched, and um, it, that, that's great, but, you know, I think it's uh, reasonable for someone to say, well, how you do that? And so we've got several series that, we've, that we're going through this year, but we're also um, taking several weeks this year at various times to listen to the voices of some people that, uh, that are doing that. In, in their lives and 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 how they got there, and what helped put them there and that doesn't mean that they got it all together it doesn't mean that they're perfect, it doesn't mean that they're better than anybody else. It just means that that I know they've got a story, and I feel like it's something that you guys need to hear i uh, um, I have known this guy since he was a teenager I've seen him go through teenage angst. Uh, I have seen him go through adult angst, actually, Uh, when you get on up there. I've seen him go through a lot of stuff, and I am proud of him because I've seen God just do wonderful things in his life because he would let him. Would you welcome David Mason this morning? Good
1: morning. Good morning. Today is Mother's Day, and I thought it would be uh, neat just for a minute just to share a few stories with you guys about Mother's Day. Uh, three ladies that are pretty special to me in my life, and, and some stories that go with that. First one would be my birth mother, uh, Chris Piper. Uh She was in the first service, and um, I was trying to think of a story that I had for, of her that of um, just a moment where it just really impacted me. And the one that came to mind was when I, w- I was a little kid. I was probably about four or five years old. And as little kids do, I just got in some kind of tantrum. And uh, I just, an outburst. That's right, Joe. And, uh, and I just, I, I was unconsolable. I would not calm down. I couldn't tell you what it was or what it was about. I just remember just going nuts. And I remember my mom coming around me and just putting her arms around me. Not in a violent, I'm going to shake you kind of way, but in a, in a sense of a mother coming around their child as everything is falling apart in their head. And she came and she held me close. And she would not let go until the outburst left. And kids, they go, they're, they're, go, go, and then they just crash. And finally, I crash. And I was exhausted, just sort of, you know, you can't breathe. And you're just sort of, you know, amongst yourself. And she just held me. And she kept me close, not in anger, but in love. And for that, it just impacted me as a little chill, child that as our Heavenly Father, He comes upon us when everything is going chaotic, when we've lost our minds, when we're not in our right mind. And when everything is, the storms are coming, he holds us. Doesn't mean the storm went away, but it means he was there with us during that storm. And so I thank my mother for that. Uh, The second mother that's important to me, uh, she's not my mother, but I call her mama, is uh, my wife, Victoria. And uh, my wife, Victoria, she's got a really neat story. And um, so she uh, is from, uh, she's from Laos, she's Laotian. And so she was not born here in America, she was actually born in Thailand, because during the Vietnam War, uh, Laos helped America fight, and then when America left, you had a very angry Vietnam at a Laotian country, and so she actually got a lot of families out and put them in refugee camps in Thailand. So she was born in a refugee camp in Thailand, and then came over here in, uh, to America. And her parents are very hardworking parents, uh, they worked very hard, but they worked all the time. And my uh, wife had an older sister who passed away at birth over there just because of technology. And so my wife really, a lot, just grew up just with her. Her parents are working all the time, and she didn't have really that, um, you know, discipling up, this is how you be a mom, this is how you be a wife and and a a parent. And when we first got together, we both didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) But I'm so proud of Victoria, because she let God come in, and he changed her. And that's hard to do, guys. That means you've got to pull yourself back and you've got to expose some things that are hard. And she did that. And the mother, I see her today, you know, with our kids and what God has done in her. I'm very proud and blessed to have the six kids we have with her, but to be her husband. Third, I like to think, um, well, first, there are, there are a lot of moms. You know, she doesn't have to be a biologic mom or, or, or your wife's mom. To be a mom, there are spiritual moms. And, and in my life, I really needed a spiritual mom. And God brought um, Barbie to me this last year. And where God has given me some spiritual fathers, uh, Pastor Wayne and, and Pastor Bruce have just been surrounding me for years and just discipling me and really building me up. Uh, but Pastor Barbie this this last year really came up and was just encouraging. As we need encouragement. I need encouragement. Encouraging with the things in life that comes at us and someone to help walk us through that. So I just want to say thank you guys very much for being the moms that you are and letting God do that in you. And also, too, I like to ask, might be a little different, but if ever all the women in the house would stand up for a moment. And the reason I'm asking all the women is because some of you guys are moms, some of you guys are moms-to-be, or some of you guys can't maybe have the ability to be a mom, uh, to have a, an, a natural baby, but all of you are mothers. God will call each of you at some point in your life to mother someone, to build them up and to love them. But you guys have to get with God, and you guys got to let him work on you and build you up so you can build up others. So I just want to give a round of applause for all the moms in the house, all right? God has called you to be moms, to be moms to your kids if you have them, but to be spiritual moms as well, all right? One more time, I'll ask you guys all to stand for the reading of the scripture. Um, We're going to try this. Now, first service, I'll be honest, I dropped the ball on this one. I was going too fast, and, and then I tried to catch up. Half the group was here, the other half was there. So we're going to try this, do this together, so be patient with me, okay? This Philippians Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on, on the earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you for your word. Your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Your word, Father God, keeps us on the path we should go. And we thank you for your word, Father God. We've hidden your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. Now your word today, Father God, pierce the hearts of us, Father God. Let good seed go out, Father God. Help our hearts to be soft to take a hold of that seed and for you to get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As Pastor Ronnie was mentioning, we're in a series right now called uh, Living Drenched. And was first uh, approached to do this, uh, asked down with Pastor Barbie and Pastor Ronnie, He said, okay, well, how would you describe living drench? And basically, it's areas in your life where God has, has drenched you, where He has, he has um, shown Himself to you, you've responded to that, and just a flood of His love and compassion and mercy came over your life. So, I like to, like to be a word guy. I'm trying to get there, more of a word guy. And I like to just go through some of these words real quick uh, of what this, these words mean. To live. All right, living means not dead, having life, currently active or being used. Full of life or vigor. Uh, so for me, and being in a house, we have six kids, and it's, it's, uh, it's good chaos at time. I tell people, it's crazy but good. You know, it's just constant go, go, go. So it's full of life. Sometimes that life is more on the positive end. Sometimes that life is more on the little uh, downside of things. And so things are always active and going. And it me of a story me and the kids will do. So we'll, we'll do some playtime or where mommy's gone, and we'll just, we'll you know, have some fun and... Um, We don't play cowboys and Indians. We play uh, American and Viet Cong. So the kids are out there, and they're digging tunnels. And and They get to rotate which one's Charlie. So so we go, though, but we we got Nerf guns, and so we're all big into the Nerf guns. And I'll put on the TV some, um, like, Alien soundtrack, not the movie, uh, Terminator 2 soundtrack, and so you have this big epic score in the background, and we'll cut all the lights and and pull the drapes down and all this stuff, and we'll get our machine guns with our flashlights and all that, and they're Nerf guns, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and so we'll go, and we'll have the kids, and the twins one day were just camped underneath the table, all like ready and good and ready to shoot and ready to go, and you've got one group that has to hide in a room while the other is sort of like hide and seek with a twisted way, and... um, and so the music kicks, because you've got to hit the cue, and then we come out, and we're ready to go, right? And one day, the little boys are underneath the table, they're pointing, they're hiding and all that. I've got my shotgun by there, and Victoria's actually videotaping all this, I should, we should have had it up there, but it was, but to the, the see them in there with those guns and looking, they're full of life. They're, they're trying not to die. And um, <laughs> as we go, and as the Nerf guns go flying and shooting, you realize how much, how much life they have in them, and how much joy they have in that, and what that looks like in a, in a house home sometimes. Um, drench, drench is to make something or something completely wet it is soaked, it is immersed everything around you is like that um, my son Michael is about to be 11 but when he was about 4 or 5 years old we went to a friend's house to go swimming and uh, we went swimming that day we all got out, we all got dressed, we're all dry ready to go and all that and they had some cookies out, some Oreo cookies and Michael was excited about his cookie he had his cookie and he's there holding it in his hand probably about to eat it and as he does he takes one step too far back and there Michael goes in, fully clothed, into the pool. And so me, I hear the John Williams music, I'm ready to go. And I hop into the pool right away, pick my son up, and there he is standing with a cookie still in his hand. <laughs> now It's soaked, and he probably would have went for it. But he was immersed. There wasn't an ounce of him or me that was dry at that time. Even his poor little cookie was just soaking wet there and all that. But it's about being immersed. It's about being soaked. And, and how, how does this look like in our own life with God? How do we look soaked uh, with God and with the Holy Spirit sort of taking over our lives um, In other words is immersed and I think of immersed as being in the middle of the ocean And again, it's good not to watch the jaws before you go in the middle of the ocean But if you've ever been in the middle of the ocean It's, it's a little frightening sometimes because you're out there in the middle of it. Especially if you scuba down and go on that stuff. It's it's all around you and just like that That storm can come and that water can consume you but you're completely around the water. You're immersed in it And so what I want to do is give you three examples you can call them battles. You can call them trying to find water. But three areas in my life where God really came in and he immersed me with himself. He had to. I needed him to immerse me. I wasn't going to make it unless he came in and immersed me. So one of those, for me, is very dear to my heart because I've struggled with it for years. And I think it's one that is also... It's not something I struggle with. I think all of us have had seasons of struggling with that. Is It's in the body of Christ. You are dealing with people. And people sometimes... It can go really well, and you're excited. My best friend ever. This is great. This is awesome. And then the next week, he's like, wow, what just happened? All right. And scripture tells us so much how we're supposed to act in the body, but it goes so much against our flesh, guys. We heard words about encouragement. I want you to encourage one another. I was talking about Pastor Barbie. I was even showing Victoria. We were talking one day, and I came home, and Victoria just saw the, the glow on the face. I was encouraged. I was going through some things. I had some struggles and some things that were heavy on my heart. And she encouraged me. As the body in Christ, we're supposed to encourage one another. But guess what? That's going to get messy. That's going to get nasty sometimes, you know? But what family is it? No, I don't know of any home where they haven't gone through. And those things are good, guys, because what they do is they open things up inside of us. If we allow them to, we we can put the scalpel and let God put the Holy Spirit put the scalpel on us and we can reveal some things. I know some people are going through some cancer treatments and have gone through some stuff and they have to go and get chemo and they're going to have to go and they're going to have to get surgery and the doctor's going to have to go in and open up. No one's excited about that. No one's like, hey, please, can I go, you know, you know, no one's excited about, but they are excited about living and they will put themselves in that situation to get that cancer out, to get that thing. And that cancer is killing them. I like to call them chest bursters. All right. And. I told first service you guys to get it. Maybe not, maybe not. Maybe it's right. And it says something inside of you that will kill you if you don't get it out, for you sci-fi fans out there. And it's so important. That, and, and so what happens is, is there's no longer the fear so much of getting cut open because you need to get that out. Because the fear of dying or, or that thing eating you up inside is overcoming you. All right. And so that's the things we have to focus on. So in this, with body life, the scripture talks about secret ambition and vain conceit. And what are those things? What is secret ambition and what is vain conceit? Secret ambition is when it's about me. I have my ambitions. I have the things that I want to do. It's my pattern of behavior. It is a, uh, hyper, it's, it's known as hyperfighting. a spirit of rivalry, strife. There's a spirit that lives to fight. It's ready to go. It's ready to pounce. Vain conceit is a, um, a motive or a cause of this behavior. It is a vain glory, empty glory, glory hunger, a starving for glory. It's about me. It's interesting. we go back to the garden. Adam and Eve were in the presence of God. They had this glory about them. And sin came in, and it took that glory away. And if you look at our own lives or you look at the world, it's like we're always trying to get the glory. We're always trying to go after that spotlight and then make it about me. But we have to remember what the Scripture said about the mind of Christ. If we make it about me, if I make it about me, all right, and... Alan makes about Alan, the, 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 we're not going to be in one mind. We're going to be in conflict. There's going to be strife. I hope you don't mind me using it, Alan. I figure I know you roll well. So um, If we're going after the same thing and we're bucking heads, but that's not what we're called to do as a body. We're all on the same team. We have different gifts. We have different abilities that God has put in us. They're not our gifts. They're not our abilities. We can't hold claim to them. If we try to hold on to it, Oh, I always say glory is like something that you need to give real quick to the Father. If someone comes up and tells you, hey, good job, you did well at this, or man, you knocked this out of the park, take that and lift it right up to him real quick because it is a bomb that will blow up on you. And there will be collateral damage. There will. Limbs flying. But it, it is, and that's what it, we're not, we were not made to hold on to that in, in, in the sinful body, guys. We weren't. It eats and corrupts at us, and we need to let it go. So I encourage you guys, as a body, all right, um, some of my own personal things that I've dealt with. All right? Why didn't they look at me at the hall? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? That might sound petty. You know you thought it too. I come here every day. You don't say hello. Or man, what, what is going on with this? Why are we doing this? Or why are we doing that? Or what's, what's My own little selfish conceited, my own ambitions. What I think. All right, God's on the throne, not me. All right? If he needs my opinion or asks me to do something, I'll do it. But he does, he's got a plan. I need to line in with his plan. Not think of my own ambition or what my feel like my plan is. And as a body, guys, we cannot function unless we get on the same team and focused on him. And focus on others. It won't work. There is strife, there is conflict, there's that secret ambition, that vain conceit that destroys, it eats up. And also, guys, the world is looking at us. Alright? You're the light of the world, a city on a hill. Let your light shine before men, that may me praise your Father in heaven. All right, and give why for so he can get the glory. The world sees us and they say, "Man, these guys—that's a motley crew here. They're—they're they're, they're a wild bunch, but they've able to function. They are able to walk this thing out together. They don't even like each other that much sometimes, but man, they'll love each other and they'll be there for each other sometimes. All right. And because if the world—if the world just sees, oh, it's all nice and pretty, but they get inside and it's like, ugh, I thought it was different here, guys. We're called to do that. Our actions don't just affect us; they affect others. That's us with us and God and the people that see us. And there's grace, guys. We're gonna fall." I don't think people in the world so much as expect us to be perfect. I think they expect us to get on our face, and ask for forgiveness when we do. I think they expect us to be humble, not prideful. In a family, if I am worried about myself, if I'm looking after my glory, and what I need, the family's going to fall apart. We don't just affect ourselves. We affect others. And it's our job, guys. And we, if we look at Christ, we see what he did, his mindset. He was God. He could have played that card often. And what I mean by playing that card, he could have called down the angels. He could have said it in a word and it would have been over and done. But that's, he wasn't, he was showing us, this is how you obey the Father. You don't think about yourself. You're a servant. You pick up your cross daily. You follow me because I follow the Father. And that's what we're called to do, saints. So again, I encourage you guys as a body. It's hard, I know, but it's also good. You know, it, it is good. Some of the fellowships I have with some of the brothers and the sisters here and the, and the older people that have come under me, you know, older I'm more mature. Um, I, it's such a blessing. And if I would have, you know what, they offended me, they made me mad, I'm done. You know, what, 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 how would have God have gotten the glory? And honestly, how would I have been benefited by that? Because guess what, everywhere you go, it's the same thing, guys. The grass is always greener. And our marriage, if we said too hard, I'm done. Nope, not going to do it. Guess what? I would not have the blessing I would have today. God gives us rules and he gives us laws. Why? To bless us. To build us up, to strengthen us, and to show others, I have a plan. I have a purpose. Follow me. Trust me. And I really have to ask, at the end of the day, when I'm after my own ambition, my own conceit, I'm not trusting him. I'm being selfish. I'm like, no, God, it's what I want. It's it's what I want I feel like. And I don't trust you that you're going to come through with this. And I have to repent open up my heart and say, God, soften my heart. Because really, it's about a hard heart. If you look at the parable of the sower and the seed, what seed took? The soft soil, the good soil. Or all the other ones, the soil wasn't good. So every day, we need to go before the Lord and ask him to soften our heart. I've been doing the Lord's Prayer He recently, reciting it, but then also making it personal. So when I say, you know, Father God, forgive me of my sins, I think, what are my sins? And to be honest, I don't do that enough. Because I don't commit all the bad, really, whatever. You know, I'm not, you know, we we think of these uh, different sins, you know, like if I'm not out, you know, smoking crack or something like that. You know, just some kind of, you know. I'm good. No crack in me. Jesus, I'm all right. right? So, but if I put back later, there's pride there. All right, there's conceit there. I'll be honest, prepping for the sermon, I got up this morning and I ran and I had quiet time with God. I've been trying for years to get up early and spend some time with God. Son of son of a musician, It's not in my DNA. Um, It was today. Why? Because I was about to come and stand in front of you guys. And if I was going to look like a fool, I need to make sure me and God are good. All right? But it's the same thing. If I have breakfast with Bruce Coval or or, or Pastor Wayne, I get up in the morning because they're going to be waiting there, and I'm going to hear about it if I'm not there. And I enjoy being with them. But I also know there's someone there, the God of the universe, every morning. And there's no, you know, as much time as I want with them. But I've got to open myself up. Oh, Dave, there's, there's something off there. You can spend any time with God. Why today? Because your neck was on the line. And so I have to confess that, say, God, soften my heart with that. Help me from the sins I don't always realize are there. David, you know, the Psalms say, help me from hidden sins. Help me from the things I don't even see there, Father. And again, guys, I encourage you, there's grace. All right? But we have to call it what it is, and we have to go to him. So that's the body. Uh, battle number two, or uh, the whale, that God let me drink from, uh, was home life. Um, Home life to me is very uh, important. Uh, Growing up as a kid, you know, I don't know, again, you know, I got into music, and those things are great, but I didn't have a lot of ambitions. I wasn't sure what I was, you know, supposed to do or what God created me for, but I knew I wanted a family. I knew that at a young age. I wanted a wife, and I wanted some kids, and I was going to be very content with that. Um, And God did. He gave me a family. But with that, I also had to realize there was a lot of fear, that came with with having a family. There was a lot of fear of my own mistakes. There was a lot of fear of upbringing, and will that um, follow, you know, will that keep trickling down? And the pain I knew as a kid, I didn't want to put that on on my kids. And realizing, too, as well, that in my own self, that fear of failing and, and asking God to give me strength in that. And I had to realize for myself, God is bigger than my failures. He is so much bigger. His grace, guys, it doesn't run out. You're going to mess up every day in something. Until we cross over to Jordan, as Wayne would say. we're going to, we're going to mess up. We're going to, but that grace is there and that mercy and that love. I, look, I like to look at the life of David and the life of King Saul. Because both men made mistakes. Saul messed up, but so did David. David made some, you know, horrendous mistakes. But David fell on his face before his God. And Saul made excuses. Pastor Ronnie was sharing with us about that, about the life of Saul and the different things to watch out for in life and how really at the end of the day, it's about, well, I keep a soft heart towards God. When he pokes and pries those things, well, I respond. David, and I don't know how you can just go on with life after killing your best friend, you know, being with his wife and acting like nothing's wrong, but he just kept going like nothing was wrong. But as soon as Nathan the prophet came, boom, the conviction of the Holy Spirit hit him and he fell on his face. And it was neat to me about David. He had a baby in the balance. There was a baby that was going to live or die. But his relationship with God, at the end of the day, that's what he focused in on. And that's what was important to David. And it broke David's heart that he did that to his God. And that's why we call him a man after his own heart. Not because David had it all together. He was a horrible dad. Let some horrible stuff go down. Like that's called DHS on him or something. That's just sort of, it's just, it's really, man, that's pretty bad and uh, Absalom was upset for a reason I'll just leave it like that so but David's heart kept going after God so guys that should encourage when we read the story of David alright that's a historical story David was there he really had a real relationship with God that should encourage us that should spurn us on God I had a rough week I was a fool this week forgive me you know break my heart Father God have a broken and contrite heart touch me Father God restore me and give me your grace and mercy. So again, in my family, I was saying, just being a father, you know, and and you know your kids see it all. You know, your kids, they they see all the, the worn, torn stuff, they see the fights, they see all that stuff, you know, and I don't know if there's any way to prevent a lot of that, but what I can do is I can show them this is how you walk through life, not perfect, flawed, but have a loving God that's your daddy. And when I make mistakes, you know, kids give you a lot of grace. They do. They really do. And I don't think it's so much that they expect us to be perfect, but they expect us to walk this out with them. And when we do fall and we do hit the floor, to get ourselves back up and say, Daddy, sorry. I love you guys. I'm sorry. And and I want to keep having a relationship with you. I don't want the sin in my life or in your guys' life to stop that because it doesn't have to. We're called to be unified, to encourage one another as a body, to be like-minded, to be on the same page. And so for my home, that's important for me. And it's something, again, I struggle with and I fear with because of that that fear inside of me while I, I do good, you know? My kids look at me one day, man, he was a good dad, you know? I don't know if I ever get great dad. That's just sort of, I don't know. But if I can grow up and just say, he was a good dad, you know? He, dad, he was a mess sometimes, you know? Off in his room, reading his comic books. But he, you know, starting to read it more with him, though, so we're getting there. It's baby stepping. So... But, but he loved God, and, and, and he didn't stop trying to be a godly father. You know, I can live with that. I really, at the end of the day, I can have peace to know, you know God, I wasn't perfect. I made a lot of mistakes. You know, you, I don't know them all. You know, I don't think we can even comprehend all the mistakes we've made. You know, we probably wouldn't get out of bed in the morning if we did. But he knows, and he loves us, and he embraces us. Third, uh, well, uh, the third battle that I had to uh, go through was finding my identity as a servant of Christ. And what I mean by that is knowing who he is, but also knowing who I am in him. I was speaking with an old friend of mine, uh, Richard Jacobson, one time. And we were sitting talking, I was struggling with something, and just getting frustrated. He knew me well, and he knew, knew the buttons to hit. And he said, David, you know in your mind that God loves you, but you don't know it in your heart yet. You haven't comprehended or fully grasped how much God really, really loves you. Because if you did... You, you would act different. Your life would be different, all right? And so with that, that waterfall moment or that drenched moment where it came in, it was like, God, as horrendous as the world is and as horrendous as I can be, those things are inside of us guys if we're not careful. We always point out the, the, the evil things we see on the news or the things we do, you know, Hitler was a baby once. That's a real extreme example, but he was, you know? And I mean, the, the, those things, and so for me to think that I am better, that those things aren't in me, that I can't go down those paths. You know, I always like to say better men have fallen. More godly, more loving, and more righteous men have fallen. Who am I to think that I'm not gonna go through any of that without his grace and his mercy? His grace sustains me. His grace lifts me up. And it's on his grace I have to hang on to, guys, because I have nothing left. Peter said, where else are we gonna go? What else are we gonna do? You have the words of life, God. You're all I can hang on to. I'm not gonna go back there. Because I know now, I'm not ignorant anymore. You've given me the mind of Christ. You've shown me things now, and I can't go back. So with that, in my own personal relationship, it was knowing who he was. And knowing who his son was. Because, again, it says, have the mind of Christ. And so what this verse does, one pastor said this is one of the most impactful verses on Jesus Christ in the entire Bible. Because it goes through everything right here. And what he did and what he became and Christ said, now I want you to become like me and follow me. The mind of Christ, and he became a servant. Um, there's a book, um, a lot of them here have us read when we go through any pastoral training, and it's called The Jesus Style. I highly recommend it. Uh, it is on Kindle if you guys are able to get it. And the, the author, Gail Irwin, said, in this passage, passage here, in the simplest interpretation of this passage, it states that though he deserved it, which is being equal with God, Jesus did not try to take over the kingdom by force. He goes on to say he won't kick a man when he is down, and he looks for the slightest spark of hope in people and tries to fan it into flame. Isaiah tells us a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. I mentioned earlier he could have played that guard card, guard card, card any time, but he didn't. You know, he can relate to us, as Pastor Ronnie was saying in Hebrews 4, we have a high priest that has gone through what we've gone through. Have you gone through betrayal? He went through betrayal. Have you gone through pain and suffering? Him like no other. Have your prayers not been answered the way you want them to? On the night he was betrayed, Father, if it is all possible, take this cup from me. But not my will, but your will. He didn't get his prayer answered the way he felt at that moment. Because he was more focused, though, on the Father's will and being obedient to Father's will than he was on his own. This is our God. This is not a fairy tale made up. This is a real God, a tangible God that changes people's hearts and their lives. And he's open to you guys. Be like Christ. Have the mind of Christ. Let the water of the word refresh your mind. Learn what your God is like. Learn his characteristics. How did he handle people? How did he handle sinners? What did he do with them? He spent time with them. How did he look at the brokenhearted? Isaiah tells us about the Messiah came to bind the brokenhearted. Came to take things that are broken and make them whole again. We are broken people. We are. And we need a savior. But this is good news, guys. Because we're not like children wandering that have no father to come and collect us in. Each of you have a heavenly father that loves you, loves you so much. I don't believe on this earth I will ever fully comprehend how much he loves us. But I pray to God every day I beat that deeper into my heart. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That guy came down, became a man. And not that he lost his deity because he was still God. But he came down and he got nailed to a cross for my sin. Jesus Christ lived the life I should have lived and he died to death. I should have died. That's supposed to be me on that cross. That is good news, guys. That's the best news you will ever, ever hear. You have access to that 24-7. The God of the universe is waiting to hang out with you. Waiting to spend time with you. And he won't just leave you a mess. He loves you too much. He's going to open you up. He's going to take some things out. It's scary. I don't know anyone that's been operating on that. It's not been scary. There's not a little anxiety or fear. I go just to get a checkup and I'm freaking out about to pass out and stuff. Can't imagine you being on an operating table. It is scary but we need to be cut open, guys. We need the Holy Spirit to come in and change us for His glory because He loves us but also for those around you. You are not in this alone. You're supposed to walk this out together. All right. As much as I love Rambo Terminator, we're not, we're not no John Rambo. We're not out there by ourselves with our Jesus was the John Rambo use that on someone Jesus was the one that did it by himself when well, everyone else was gone he kept he finished the father's will but you're not supposed to be John Rambo G.I. Joe is a better announcement for that one you're a team each of you have gifts and abilities far beyond those immortal men and they've been given to you by your father and he's called you to use them I'm a big comic geek it's no secret i neither confirm nor deny what's under my shirt. <laughs> I love the stories. And, and, and some buddy of mine, he was just sort of puzzled by it. He was big into sports. He's like, Dave, you know, sports is, is real people. This is not, it's not real, Dave. It's not, I don't, I don't know if, you know they're not real, Dave. You're just checking. I said, no, I know they're, they're, they're not real. But what they stand for is real. And I love reading about people that do have these gifts and abilities. And guess what? They're not all the good guys. The bad guys have gifts and abilities. They have chosen it though to go for their own secret ambition and their vain conceit. You have not been chosen to do that. You have been chosen to take your gifts and your abilities and each of you have them. And if you don't know, your Father and Holy Spirit are more willing to tell you and show you and train you. It says we have a teacher, the Holy Spirit, that will show you these things. His word shows us how to do these things. Take your gifts and abilities to build up his kingdom. The worship team would like to come up and those who would like to, um, not like to, those who or pray for folks, please come up, with I hope you like to pray for um, so As we go through a, a, just a time of worship and for prayer, I just, I encourage you guys, what's, what's inside here? It's scary, guys. I don't like, my wife will tell you, Dave don't like open up inside. I don't, it's uncomfortable. Because I have to look in the mirror and say, ooh, that's in there, I have that. But you have a heavenly doctor who is very skilled at taking those things. Taking those things out and putting good things in that will not only bless you and bless others. So ask the Holy Spirit right now to God, what's in my heart? Pastor Ronnie said it too as we go before the the communion earlier. Have we examined our hearts? I don't do it enough. I don't ask God, God, forgive me my sins. What are my sins? And what, what am I holding against someone else? Have I forgiven them? Because your word tells me if I'm not willing to forgive this other person, me and you've got issues. We've got, we, got, well, you've got issues with me. But and we need to ask God, what's in my heart? So ask things right now. Take this time in worship and ask the Holy Spirit, what's in my heart? And God, will you please come take it? See Yourself away. Will you put your life in His hands? That's what He wants, guys. He wants us to give it. Someone said before that all you got to come with with is nothing. Just give it away to Him, and He'll take your life and He'll use it for His glory. Give you guys a blessing. May the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you this week, Father, that you just touch the people here, touch their hearts, Father God, and help them to respond to you, Holy Spirit. Help help them to give their lives to you, Father, and take their lives and transform it for your glory, we pray. Help us to look out for one another. Help us to be encouraging to one another this week, to look out for our brothers and sisters in the Lord and in our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.